1977, and uh, you might be scared to go outside because it's the summer of Sam. That's right. David Berkowitz is out there. And uh, so instead of going out to the disco, maybe you stayed inside and watched Love Boat. That was a TV show that came out that year. I remember that show. You remember Love Boat? I hated it. Yeah. Well, what a weird concept. It's a cruise ship. Everyone's on the cruise ship. You're always on the cruise ship. Maybe that, that's purgatory for the employees. It felt like everyone was old. Yeah. They were. Captain St- was it Stooping? Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, one thing I, I was reading about cruise ships recently is that there's the the emissions, the CO2 emissions. It's mm-hmm. You're just constantly breathing in exhaust when you're on the ship. Ugh. So the air quality, you think you're at sea and you're going to get that fresh sea breeze and just live your life like a like a seagull just flying around. But no, you're you're. Ba- it's basically like you're stuck in gridlock traffic, just inhaling wow. the fumes the whole time that you're. I feel out like there. Cru- cruise ships are like the lowest f- lowest form of travel, in my opinion. Yeah, they should be banned. They should be banned, and people just people people should rethink their lives if that's what they want to do with them. There's not enough piracy on the high seas. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. enough cruise ships get jacked up. That's by right, pirates. Yeah. They, if they could have, like, a self-powered one, like, where everyone has to kind of be biking at different times, like, you take turns and, like, everyone pedals and that gets the boat going, like, no CO2 emissions. There would be so many dead geriatrics if that was the case. <laughs> I, I think it would be a, a great way to stay fit on yeah. the ship and burn off all of those calories the after buffet. the midnight buffets. Ugh, okay. So, uh, hey, you may have noticed a third voice on Mike today, and that's because... Joining us on Eat, Pray, Judge, we've got the wonderful, hilarious Abby Feldman. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited you're here today. And uh, so it's Abby Feldman's here. As always, I'm Gabe Pacheco. Uh, Sammy Hamarde. That's right. And uh, we're, you know, we're, we're going to do a deep dive into 1977 before we, before we jump as the appetizer, you know, as the tapas, before we, uh, you know, go to the main course, which you're all here for tonight. Uh, Saturday Night Fever. Mm. 1977, the Atari 2600 came out. So wow. I think that was the birth of the, the video game era. Nice. The console came out with nine video games, two joysticks, and cost $199. A lot of money back then. In 1977 money, you could have bought two Lamborghinis and a, and a child. <laughs> I feel like 1977 was a good year. Uh, yeah, well, Star Wars came out. Okay. So that was another... Uh, hot like cultural yeah. touchstone. Oops. <laughs> uh, when Star Wars came out, it had, was only widely released in 32 theaters. Yeah, which is crazy because people about. didn't think it was going to be no, and worth anything. That was considered in that era that the summer was the dead zone for films. Like uh, there was no blockbusters. Jaws kind of invented it, but then nothing really happened afterwards. And then Star Wars coming out cemented the summer blockbuster and changed the way films were released. So instead of going to the movies in the summertime, you're telling me people went outside, they played stickball, they rode bikes. They went yeah. to camp. Or were hunted by a guy that was told to murder people by his dog. <laughs> David Berkowitz. During rolling blackouts. Yeah, That's right. That's right. Oh my goodness. I was trying to bring that back around, Gabe. I like, I like that. Yeah. So this was a huge year for New York. You just brought up the, the blackouts, the rolling right. blackouts. So 1977, uh, also the blackouts were the birth, the birth of hip hop in, in so many anecdotes coming out that people um, uh, broke into electronic stores and record stores during that blackout and got their first samplers and uh, their turntables. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. I knew it was a good year. Mm-hmm. It's a magical year. Jimmy Carter in office. He was the first president to tell us that uh, we needed to cut back on oil, fam. Wow. Wow. I, I just read that now Prophetic. rising temperatures are inevitable and now cutting back on oil would just kind of lessen the blow on society. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, this podcast initially started out as a movie review uh, podcast, but the, the more that we get into history, the, uh, the more I've focused on, uh, on the impending doom coming from climate change. Yeah. I'm glad you printed out all these sheets of paper, though. <laughs> we like notes here. We, we, lo- we love the notes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they love the gasoline. So I guess you got to uh, cut that- back. That is, uh, that's correct. Jimmy Carter, though, he put solar panels on the rooftop of the White House. Wow. That makes me want to fuck Jimmy Carter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. What he's, a... got, he's got that. Uh... He was so ahead of the 
game. He's got that swag. He's he got that was a habit habitat for humani- humanity, sex appeal. I think uh, one of the reasons that he didn't get reelected was that he, during the gas uh, shortage, he told Americans, uh, hey, you all should ride bikes. <laughs> In- yeah. Instead of being like, don't worry, I'm going to get you guys more right, cheap right, right. gasoline. He was also considered a wimp by the alt-right. <laughs> well, yeah, he told people to ride bikes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, was, that's like was, yeah. quintessential he had, behavior. He had foresight. Instead of turning the heat up in the White House, he wore sweaters, and then he and then he he, he walked onto the national stage in television, um, you know, presentations wearing a, a sweater, and people were like, "What are you doing?" I love that. That's so funny because I love that about Jimmy Carter. But then, okay, I'm gonna get really off topic. But the president of Argentina is this asshole, and he was like, no one could afford their heating bills because <laughs> the inflation just got so bad, and he's like, wear sweaters. <laughs> And everyone's like, what a fucking dick. And I'm like, I love that Jimmy Carter told people to wear sweaters. <laughs> but he wasn't doing it anyways. Yeah, it. He, he he wasn't doing it like uh, there's nothing I can do about this. He was telling us, hey, man, you yeah. know, mitigate what you're what you're doing. Yeah, your he's very addiction. Like Mr. Rogers about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now, you know, he's the only he's the president that now goes and uh, a former president that builds houses for Habitat for Humanity mm-hmm. as opposed to going parasailing with the. Uh, you know, billionaire CEOs of record labels. And the bike and build program, which is like a offshoot. People bike across the country to build, to raise money for the build of Habitat for Humanity. Dude, that just sounds like something that, um, that uh, your boy Forrest Gump would do. It's my ex-girlfriend did that years ago. That's how I know about it. Have you heard of wolfing? She ate a lot of peanut butter wolfing. and biked. Tell us about wolfing. You've well, heard of it? I forget what it stands for. It's like, blah, blah, blah. but basically it's, you just go on different farms around the world and you, you, um, stay, you have room and board in exchange for your services. It's like u- Uber for peasants. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get to backpack around the world and you're like, I'm going to, I'll, I'll help you guys plant these rutabaga yeah. here in Barcelona. Yeah. Interesting. You get, it's pretty amazing though. You get to stay, you have a roof over your head, you get some food in your belly and you get to be in the earth. It's like yeah, a, it's like a non-Jewish kibbutz. It could That's, be Jewish. It Depends. Could be. It could be. Yeah, could be Zoroastrian. They let, don't care. Let me They're... correct myself there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nineteen seventy-seven. Elvis was approached by the Scientologists shortly before he died. Tried to recruit him, um, and Elvis's quote directly after meeting the heads of the Scientology uh, Church were, "To hell with those people. There's no way I'll ever get involved with them. They just want my money." Yeah, uh, Elvis. What is what a smart man? What a smart man! Elvis Who died, died on his toilet. Three, he seems like he's later. been with. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I just think about him, and it seems like he's been part of pop culture forever. Yeah. But the thing is, is that he died at forty-two. Yes. Which is crazy young. Yeah. When you think about it, like so how many? Young. You know. Yeah, he and he he looked rough towards the end. <laughs> you know. He made forty-two look sixty-eight. <laughs> he really did. He looked yeah. like Willie Nelson at forty-two, which is a talent in its own right. Yeah. I feel that way about a lot of people. I feel like back in the day, people looked older, younger. I mean, if you abuse barbiturates for a good a number of years, I mean, remember watching him like his late performances when he was just sweating through his, <laughs> sweating and huffing through his like final uh, final days. Yeah, not, yeah, not the same dude. Just an ill-fitting karate like, sequin karate suit. I, I loved it when he did the karate chops. Oh yeah, I watch old uh, or rather late Elvis uh, performances. I feel like to inspire me, yeah, and my step, you know, the, you got to keep keep up with the craft. Right, uh, Elvis is great. If you're if you're thinking about being a performer, watch old Elvis. You have to do it. Queen was around then. Yes, Queen was hitting it hot. Lots of great bands still around. Punk was breaking 1977. Yep. The Clash, that was uh, the year their album debuted. Was that London Calling? You bet. I'm going to say yes. Sure, you I know? hope so. Someone will correct us. The first openly gay doll, Gay Bob, was launched in 1977, uh, anatomically correct. He had a pierced ear, uh, and his box was shaped like a closet. That's, that's funny. It sounds, like, it sounds like... I didn't believe it when I read it, but then I Googled, Google imaged it. But I thought, it, I thought you, were being, you were making a reference to his genitalia when you, that... when you said his box was shaped like a closet. Oh, no. I was, I was like, is that anatomically correct? I was like, Bob has a cavity you can fill. <laughs> a place to keep your keys in Bob. No, his 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 packaging was a closet. That also sounds like a sexual reference. Saturday Night Fever. Fever. Yeah. <laughs> What's Pete, it? 
Say it in unison. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three. Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Fever. Fever. All right, man. This movie came out in 1977, and people loved it. I have to say that this fe- slipped underneath our my pop culture radar. Um, I think I saw it, you know, in a daze uh, when I was little. It, it was just on TV, but I, I don't remember. I didn't remember the plot at all. And then it's a kind of like a fever yeah. dream. Yeah, <laughs> a Saturday Night fever dream we uh we did review staying alive which is the sequel to this movie on eat pray judge and uh i think that i was very kind in my review to staying alive because i didn't know uh how good saturday night fever was Mm. so i didn't you know so i wasn't judging uh, and comparing saturday staying alive to this film yeah it was a a throwaway sequel in my opinion (laughs) Wow, so different. Um, it, it really makes the sequel look terrible once you see uh, Saturday Night Fever. So for anybody that, that hasn't um, seen it, and I don't know why you're listening if you haven't, uh, this is a, a John Travolta because, vehicle. Because they like Escape. Because they because they love the voices and the energy. Right. They're like, I think they might talk about a gay doll on this episode. I'm going to tune in. Yeah. Well, some people just tune in because they love the year that we discuss. <laughs> Ooh, 1977. Yeah, you know how some people fast forward through Mark Maron's uh, intro just to hear the interviews. I didn't know that. Some people. <laughs> I've never listened to a single episode. <laughs> yeah. Some people uh, they just listen to our our preamble right. for the year, and then they're like, "Who cares about the movie?" Ooh, 1977. Everyone who today is 42 was born. <laughs> what well, exactly? So if you were born in 1977 uh, and you're Elvis, you would be dead. Yes. Today. Today. Yep. That is perfect logic. Checks out. <laughs> That's what we're known for here at Pray Judge, is the logic. Uh, Real sex scene. Yeah, this was a, a pretty pretty adult film. Yeah. Really, really adult. Yeah, so uh, my, my, my stereotype of this movie, having not watched it, was that, okay, it's just going to be a bunch of disco dancing. Mm. I thought it was just going to be a fluffy dance movie. Pretty average dancing. Pretty average dancing and really like, a deep, it <laughs> deep looks, story. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting because I, I when I was looking up, I had seen it when a long time ago too, and I was looking at clips last night to refresh myself. It was listed on all these like best dance films of all time, and I think it is one of the best dance films. But the dancing in the film is some of the worst. <laughs> I mean, if we're comparing it to like step, you know, all all the. What is it? Step step, step up. Step up. Yeah, and uh, we reviewed that. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I'm try, I'm blanking now, but it was like all the ballet movies and then like early... flash dance, the interracial relationship uh, flash dance films, Footloose. Mm-hmm. Well, then, but then I'm thinking like more recent ones. We've had like really good choreography. Mm-hmm. Save the Lance, Last Dance, Black Swan. Yes, <laughs> such better dancing. This was like very limp armed. Yeah, Very, I mean, uh, it was disco. Wilted lettuce of dancing. <laughs> the best dancing in the scenes came from the two ethnic couples in the contest. I know, and they never win. It's I know. weird. They never win. Uh, and you know what? I was thinking about watching this was, I, I want to go to the club and I want to dance, but I don't want to break a sweat. Mm. And maybe you, you brought up a, a limp lettuce dancing. And yes. I'm like, I was watching this taking notes. Okay, this is how lettuce? I'm going to dance at the next wedding I go to. So that I don't get too hot and sweaty. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna t- try some of these disco moves. I do think that John Travolta has moves. I think that he had to uh, kind of reduce his potential to not make his co-star look worse. Yeah, she was a, she was a bad dancer. Did anyone else notice how bad she was? He's like, that girl can dance. I'm yeah, like, I was like, no, no, no she, she can't. can't. Dude. Are you she... watching her? Are your eyes closed? I know he was doing some really good acting on his. Uh, Selling that she was a good dancer. Nominated for an Oscar was was John Travolta for his first portrayal of Tony Manero. Wow. <laughs> so uh, so a nice. brief synopsis of this movie. We got, uh, what is his name again? Tony. John John Travolta. John Travolta is the actor. <laughs> That's right. He plays Tony Manero. We can he... actually get this one, I think. We've been good at this guy. Tony Manero, Tony... a 19-year-old from Bay Ridge, uh, Brooklyn. Who likes to stack two pieces of pizza on I top love of each that. other, which mm. is a form I have never seen before. Yeah, it's kind of like the um, it's like the crunchy taco with the soft taco on the inside, uh-huh. but two pieces of pizza. It's like he made a calzone. Consistency. Yeah, he did make a calzone. Yeah. Carb loading. Well, he had he had a lot. He was going to burn a lot of calories that night on the dance floor. Calzones are the cruise ships of pizza, by the way. (laughs) He's nineteen. He burns that off 
when he takes a wee. When he fucking dances or uh, pretends to jump off a bridge. Ugh. We can talk about that later. Yeah, so he is, uh, by day, Tony Monero works at a paint store. He's in a the... schlub. And then by night, he is a disco king. Yeah. And a lot of people in middle America didn't know uh, how hot disco was until this movie came out. This movie yeah. really uh, made it a trend, a national trend. This movie did. Yes. The soundtrack was the highest selling record of any kind uh, for until Thriller came out. Well, the Bee Gees. Right. They were a big band, and they made all the music. 20 million copies. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And uh, what's interesting is that when Staying Alive came out, uh, they asked the Bee, Gees, the Bee Gees did that soundtrack too, but... I think by by that point in the 80s, they were done. So people were like, what? Why? Why would you ask these guys to do that? Like, the, make this soundtrack. Well, right. Disco was on its way out, I guess. They actually weren't uh, mm-hmm. part of the original project because John Travolta, I read something where he said that he was dancing to like um, uh, Boz Skaggs and Stevie Wonder and before they got involved. And then they, got, they reached out to Barry Gibb. Um, and that's how they got him. Um, yeah. So, uh, so he's... From a very working-class Italian family in Bay Ridge. Dad's uh, out of work. Dad's out of work. These things happen, and uh, the dad... The, <laughs> <laughs> he's a construction worker. They were done building the Veranzano Bridge. So, yeah. you know, what's he going to do now? Just uh, shit on his family. Slap his son in the head a bunch of times. That's yeah. right. Weird gender politics in the house. Yeah. You know, uh, anytime Tony gets up to try to uh, clear the dishes, he's like, hey, that's, that's a lady's job. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, his wife hits him at one point, and he's like, you never hit me in front of the kids. Just like, what is that? Right, like, behind closed doors is totally fine, yeah. but not in, front, not in front of my mom and the kids. Yeah. The whole, yeah, I like that scene at the table where you just see the, um, it's like, have you ever paid, played a circle of pain? Where, like, you're with a bunch of friends, and, like, you punch one guy in the arm, and then he punches one guy in the arm, and then they, maybe you haven't played this game. What kind of lesson does that teach you? What uh, what uh, shit rolls downhill right. in a big circle. <laughs> or just don't punch people. Don't punch people. Just getting punched sucks. They're also very, they're all kind of adoring of the older brother who's a priest. Yeah, who don't call so much. Yeah, well, maybe a pre- priest is, you know, it's, I don't. I don't know if, if families still feel that way. I don't know if I would feel that way if, if I had a, a if, if I had a son. I actually, God forbid. I felt like there was like a weird uh, Pacheco dynamic there. I felt like that the, the brother could be your brother. You were like a little Tony Tony Monero. <laughs> well, yeah, you got these dynamics where like one one brother is seen as having followed all the rules. He's painted by the numbers, and and priest is is a stand-in for just being the most socially respectable uh, role that you can have. I don't know if I had a kid, though, if I'd be excited if they became a priest, because A, they wouldn't have, that means no kids. Yeah, my grandparents would hate that. Yeah. They'd be like, where are our great-grandkids going to come from? The bloodline is extinguished once yeah. you have a priest. Just very un-Catholic, fundamentally. I guess, but that's that probably, like, the big thing. That's probably the big exception, is if you're going to be a priest. They're I gonna... wish he got into why he didn't. Well, well that was do... actually cut from the movie. Oh, was it? Was yeah, it like they're touching kids over there. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah, he's like, I can't abide by what I'm seeing I over can't there. Tell you yeah. what I saw. Or he's <laughs> like, I just, I kept getting last picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want the apples at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, all the fat kids. <laughs> too um... slow to run away. Yeah, yeah. the heavy breathing ones. Okay, sorry. So, so Tony's right. transformation from this like uh, guy that's putting suits on layaway, working at a paint store, just thrilled about a four fifty loan. He goes to I think the club is called Two Thousand One Space Odyssey with his uh, his his goomba friends. And Dude, let's talk about this club. This club is amazing. It's bizarre. I couldn't. I couldn't. So they go out there, and this is where he transforms into Alpha Dance God. Yeah. Uh, which also doubles as a house of weird naked, half-naked dancing. Yeah, what do we call that? Go-go dancing, maybe? I think that's kind of go-go dancing, yeah. But I, I do want to just say that he, that um, John Travolta was only, I think, 23 or 24 when he did this film. And he really did for, like he really did represent that transition. Because I think a lot of us, at least in my like teenage years, you know, you're like at home, you're a kid, you have to deal with all the crap and you have school and getting yelled at by your parents. And then you go to the club and you do feel like really cool and like an adult. And I feel like he made that, he portrayed that very well. I so. was going to say, there's there's some parallels there. Uh, the late 70s disco scene was kind of like the early, early 90s rave scene, uh, only with better dancing and clothes, uh, worse drugs, far less condoms. Yeah. 
some similarities. You just go away from home and uh, dance in like a yeah a I, warehouse. I was not part of the early '90s rave scene. No. I want to clarify. <laughs> I went to a couple. <laughs> yeah, uh, visors, Jinko jeans. <clears throat> yeah, you know, chain wallets. Whereas I actually think that the disco clothes, as much as I thought that was the ugliest fashion era ever, uh, it was better than the early '90s. Oh, yeah. Early 90s was... Real bad. Real bad. And it's kind of... I think it's kind of made a comeback now. But it's just... Yeah, it's a lot of just baggy flannel. Baggy flannel and extremely baggy jeans to the point where it doesn't even look like your feet are part of your body. Yeah. Yeah, you look like an isosceles triangle when you turn to the side. (laughs) Yeah. You're floating around like a wood sprite. Yeah. And then, you know, when you wore the giant cutoff, the giant Jinko jeans like that, if it rained, God forbid, God forbid it rained. Because they would... Foot of white of wetness up oh, from man, the bottom. Like a month, gets <laughs> yeah. up to your knee. You would just soak. It would soak all the yeah, yeah. all the way up to your upper thigh. Yeah, it was like a two tone. Yeah, you'd have to take off your jinko jeans in a bathroom stall and and wring them out. Yeah, into the toilet. Would you? You would. You would have to do that. <laughs> I never did that, but uh uh-huh. Know that some people were out there struggling like yeah worse than I was. Yeah, um, that's cool. You're putting in Cinderella work there. Yeah, I love love the club, man. This club was great. The DJ looked like Ron Jeremy. It did look like Ron Jeremy. Giving shout-outs to people on the dance floor. Travolta's first suit, or his first little get-up, was like a pastel pinkish-colored uh, tight pants with bell-bottoms and like a silk shirt unbuttoned. He looked like a quinceanera candle. Does any of this clothing <laughs> breathe? No, it's all polyester. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad look. I do think the fabric's would benefit from being natural fabrics. I actually like a bell-bottom. They need yeah. lycra. When I was a kid, I liked bell-bottoms so much. My mom would um, get, when I was like 9 or 10, and I was like a little person, she would get me jeans that were bell-bottoms from thrift stores, and she would like cut the knee out so it would fit me. Yeah. She would like, you know, re-sew the bell Smart. to the higher part. Uh-huh. I loved a bell-bottom. I, lo- I Honestly, the whole look of this movie is great. The aesthetic. It's great. Yeah. Gritty. The clothing. You don't yeah. see a lot of uh, overweight people in this film. No, because they're dancing. They are dancing, and it is the 70s. It is pre-childhood uh, obesity, but I do know my mom always would say girls with bell bottoms shouldn't wear bell bottoms, so I feel like maybe they just didn't hire thicker ladies for the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it now. I didn't. I didn't. I, it took, that took me a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I get it. Okay. Uh, there was a couple of fast food shots, though. Kentucky Fried Chicken and White Castle. White Castle is making hand, hand burgers made to order. Yeah, mm. white, those White what Castle a burgers, world. Look, they look flavorful. Yeah, they look delicious. I wanted one real bad. Too yeah. bad they've closed them all. Harold and Kumar go back to 1977 and eat a good White Castle burger. That would yeah. be a very good short film. I didn't know about White Castle burgers until I listened to Beastie Boys' License to Ill. That their fries only come in one size. Yeah, and then they talk about hanging out at the White Castle all the time. Yeah, and at first I didn't know, even know that was a restaurant. I thought, oh, are they just talking about like, is this just sort of slang for a house that you go hang out at? For like a studio, We're, I thought yeah. initially. Yeah, for yeah. like a White KKK Castle. meeting. Right, a, a big White Castle. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the Beastie Boys would be there as really? three young Jewish men, <laughs> yeah, but <three> <laughs> they were hanging members. out there because they were. We're deep, curious. Deep tra- cover. Trapped there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, um, all right. But I, watching this club scene, it made me want to go and take some dance classes. Yeah. I wanted to get out there and bust a move. Mm. And then I wondered, how did everybody get on the same page when it came to choreography? Was that some magical realism? They, there's actually a choreographer for the film. Okay. They did have that. Uh, well, I, I, <laughs> I'm sure that they did. <laughs> Was that up for debate? <laughs> but more, more so that uh, you, know, you, you go out there and you start doing a couple moves, and then the all of these group. strangers are like, oh, let's all do that in, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time. No, so, I know. It's, it, it is in, improbable, but the moves were real lazy looking. So, <laughs> I mean. Like the electric slide. Yeah. Like there's flash mobs today that are far more intricate than anything you'll see in Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. That's right. Uh, this club is so cool because of the characters that we've seen it. Doreen, love Doreen. Ah, oh, Doreen. She comes up. She says, "Can I? Can I wipe the sweat off yeah. your brow, Tony?" Oh, the on this, but yeah, the spectrum lady. Yeah, who, uh, loves the way he dances. Yeah, she loves to see him dance. So I have a question uh, for 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 women out there for yeah. you, Abby, directly. Yeah, I'm here. Like on a scale of one to ten, um, and money being like a sixty-five, kindness and caring being like a three. Where does uh, a dude that can dance fall into that? scale like do you does that matter i don't know how much it really matters on on any kind of scale but i think it's definitely a great cherry on top yeah 
seeing a guy dance. I mean, I think it's less about being a good dancer and just like being willing to dance and like feeling himself on the dance floor, you know? Confidence. Yeah, because I think it would actually be much more problems, problem, problemsome? Problematic. Problematic. Troublesome. (laughs) If I saw a guy dancing as well as like, with well as he did? As he did. Not as well, but like if I, well, if I were like with a guy today and he just starts doing like disco moves, I would be like, oh, this is a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So he's like, why don't you go take a seat for a second? I got to do, I got to handle some stuff. And yeah. He starts dancing. He just unbuttons his shirt to his belly button. <laughs> I wrote that down it too. Like it's there's so many, whenever the women were asking uh, Tony to come out and dance with them he, and like if he got bored with what they were doing, he would push them aside and just start mongoosing around on his own yeah. and a dance circle would form around him. That's a very much something. Thing I would do. <laughs> you you would do the yeah, you'd be the center. I'm not a big fan of partnered dancing. I right. feel like this is a time to express ourselves and it's like I don't want to have to acquiesce to some bullshit that you're doing. <laughs> so I'm gonna just do my thing. But you do your thing. Like let's be here together doing our things. But I do want to just point out that there's a line in the movie that I that really struck me where he's where um he says yeah you gotta be careful who you make it with. Sometimes all they want is to dance with you or something like that. He says it cooler, but basically he's like, yeah, I can't, I can't fuck all these chicks. Cause sometimes they're just doing it so they can dance with me. Like he feels like he's going to get used. That's right. There is this, uh, there is a lot of exploitation and everyone is exploiting everybody. And that's a theme that moves on in um, staying alive as well. But here we see it as I, I like, um, when he, he picks partners that he wants to dance with. He's very like, uh, no, this is just going to be professional. Mm-hmm. No socializing. It's All we're doing is dancing. Super weird. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like it, being in the realm of uh, being a performer as well. Like you yeah. know, you're on shows with people all the time, or you're collaborating to make things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're like close friends. Sure. You know, and so Gabe just wants you to know, Sammy, that bro, this is just professional. <laughs> this is all. It's all per- another personal baby. But uh, but I just think that there's to see that it's like uh, why are they like a net. She's mm-hmm. trying. She wants to dance with him, but not really. She's like trying to use the dancing with him to like be marry with him. him. Yeah, to be with. Oh, him. is that what it was the whole time? Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. No, but the thing is, is I think that's a. I mean, I think that yeah, it's, it's very messy the way that it pans out in the movie. But I think if you're a dancer, a partner dancer situation, yeah, you want to make it clear like this is just dancing because you're like rubbing your pelvises together and like you know, your faces are right next to each other and your hands are in your groins and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, this is... You're simulating sex. Like, not all the time, but a lot of dancing is just, you know, it's 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 an artistic um, uh, sublimation of of sex. Yeah. Yeah, you got to keep your boundaries. That's right. You can't catch feelings all the time. And Tony, you know, he, he tries to keep his boundaries. And that's one thing that, you know, one of Monero's best qualities is that he's, he knows who he is. Often he he says really rude things, but they're all about keeping his boundaries. He's oddly professional. It's kind of funny. Whereas, but the one time where he he always um, uh, devolves is in the middle of uh, an ecstatic moment of dancing. He will make out with his partner. Yeah, and he's done that in both films. Yeah. Well, he also is very upfront about wanting to be with Stephanie. Right. Right. Which is, you know, yeah, they're, so he's honest. And she, but she's kind of a foil for him where she's like, I want my boundaries and this is just professional and no socializing. And he was like, but when we're dancing, that's not just friends. <laughs> I felt like they were on a level playing field as far as intelligence was concerned, by the way. It um, seems like they're both like pretty, special ed situations. Pretty dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's like, what is she's like? I want to expand. Like I've met uh, like whoever. Some oh. random celebrity. She just keeps name dropping. Oh, I'll tell you all it the names. It was David Bowie. She met a Cat Stevens. Really? Uh, Eric Clapton. Yeah. I don't remember this. Lawrence Olivier. Lawrence Olivier. That David was a great Bowie. conversation, by the way. Yeah, and Joe Namath. Did they give you a Polaroid camera? Yeah. I can't not. I want to just keep doing these movies so I can talk like this. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, and, and the thing is, is, is uh, Tony Monero, he didn't know any of these people. He didn't know who David Bowie was. <laughs> no. He's pretty insulated it, in his own world. Well, yeah, back in the day, there's not internet. It's true. There's not even really, t- I mean, there's hardly TV. You're probably getting like one station and it's whatever. But I think it's um, it's fascinating to see that like this movie d- portrays like 
immigrant life. Like this is, this is like a taste of diversity for America where like today an Italian American family is like pretty white bread. That's right. Well, the, I think the first movie to have real Italians play Italians was uh, Godfather. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, and then, so this was like the seventies was the era of the, the ethnic white, right? Like bringing, um, like, uh, collapsing that idea of just sort of like homogenized whiteness into like little different communities. Well, I think New York does it best. Right. It's, it's the, it's the most shining example of that. Speaking of which, uh, there was two incidents that occurred during the filming of this movie. Uh-uh. Um, one was, um, they were being extorted. The cast and crew were being extorted by by uh, local mob guys in Bay Ridge, uh, to the point where they wouldn't. <coughs> bless you. Thank you. To the point where they wouldn't they wouldn't give up the goods, so they uh, firebombed one of the uh, one of the sets. Um, Jesus. Hasidic Jews in the neighborhood got really annoyed with the filming, so they started uh, tampering and and protesting, and then. Also, uh, physically, uh, violently attacking set members. Wow. wow, it sounds like Spike Lee has to make a Summer of Sam Part Two, which that's would be just about the filming of this movie would be f- outstanding. That's right. Honestly, that sounds like a good pitch. It's a great, yeah, great idea. Well, we're in talks right now. I'll slide into his DMs. Yeah, do that. Slide in. They turned over one of the cars in production, so the Hasids and the uh, Mafia, which are two Brooklyn Brooklyn classics, two staples. Yeah, two staples have their. Uh, have their say here. That sounds like a yeah ethnic. Uh, I don't know. I was gonna say mafia, but I guess the mafia is already ethnic. I don't know. Yeah, cl- some uh, clannish tribal behaviors. Yeah, like uh, these these different groups it, yeah. all competing for uh, the same space in Brooklyn. And uh, and but when we brought up the rise of sort of like Italian American uh, culture in in the and uh, you see in Tony Manero's room, he has a poster for Rocky. And a yes. poster for uh, Al Pacino. Yeah. So I think it was Serpico. It was Serpico. But yeah, this was like, and those were contemporary. Rocky came out in 1976, so this is 77, mm-hmm. and and uh, it, that's like a, a nice little wink and a nod to what else is going on, like gra- grounding the film in this sort of like Culturally, cultural yeah. reality. Now I'm curious about John Travolta. Is he? Does he have a, an immigrant background? Were his parents? Is He's... he first generation? I don't know if he's first generation. He's definitely Italian, and they grew up in Elmhurst, New Jersey, I think. So he's got. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure they were fairly new, first <laughs> or second generation. Um, yeah, and uh, he's and got it, the accent down. Interestingly, well. you know, we know uh, Sylvester Stallone directed and wrote Staying, Staying Alive, Alive, the sequel to this film. Wow, and so, produced. Yeah, so he loved the whole thing. I wonder why he picked Serpico as the Al Pacino poster he went he went with. Maybe the year of the filming? Maybe. It's also his uh most like countercultural role. Yeah. And I've never uh, seen that. maybe Serpico I don't know, Dog Day was pretty countercultural. And Serpico was uh a guy trying to buck the system from the inside. Like he's a cop who is sort of the most unconventional cop. He's the cop who takes dance lessons. He's the cop who uh, is almost like a hippie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, Tony Monero, he comes from a very conservative house as well. Uh, like that, that community seems a little stifling, you know, it's like the one thing that you can be to get your parents to love you is to become a priest. Uh, you know, you, you get a job at the paint store, work there your whole life and all of his friends are like homophobic and casually racist and rapist as and well. rape <laughs> and rapists and so, and so... He as well yeah but so... he apologized and then was immediately <laughs> forgiven so you know that yeah. so that's all you have to it's all guys. water under the bridge yeah. sure hey they're all where growing. billy died where... <laughs> or bobby? bobby 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 c i was kind of secretly hoping that he fell I know that scene though felt very realistic. It really, re- it really reminded me of like stupid shit kids do when yeah. you're teenagers, and it was just like you're just like, oh, this is gonna end so poorly. Can't they see it? And they they can't. But like, I can remember situations I was in as a teenager where you're just like looking back, you're like, what a bunch of idiots we were. But at the time, you're just like, yeah, you know, you hear these terrible stories about like bridges or train tracks and all this stuff, and it's it's so bizarre. You're like. You get the body of a grown-up, but the mind of a child still. Like, teenager time is the most dangerous time. 
That's, that's, <laughs> that's teenager, teenager time, time is, is the, the most, most dangerous time. Very well put. I remember like kids doing that trestle swing underneath the uh, Woodley Park Bridge. Do you remember that thing? Yeah. So there's this bridge in Washington D.C. and it's uh, it's from the top to the bottom is it's I don't big. know. It's like seven uh, apartment floors. It's huge. It's yeah. If you're hundred feet up, forty at least forty to seventy five feet up. And Klingle Road mm-hmm. is the road underneath, and Klingle Road has been abandoned for 20 years now at least. And the reason it's been abandoned is very racist because that was one of the clearest paths to get from northeast D.C. to uh, northwest. Oh, is that why they did it? Yeah, that so they were sense. like, okay, well, how Pretty do we segregated cut? city. That's right. So, But the whole road underneath uh, just has – it, it, it's what cities would look like after the apocalypse because <laughs> you can see – exactly how quickly weather uh, erodes the road but uh, we were like all the high school kids would swing yeah. um on the arch underneath this bridge i had two good friends that uh, injured themselves i know a dude he fell and uh, uh his spleen splattered jeez are you talking yeah. about trevor davis well you can say his name on here if oh, you want shit. to <laughs> but I, I wasn't planning to out I, him I, he was a neighbor of mine i've known him for years yeah and then another friend of mine also yeah. fell. Some people name drop, you know. Some uh, people get doxxed. What was Stephanie? Trevor Davis, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I remember that vividly. Yeah. Um, but the point, I think the point that Abby was making is perfect. Um, it was. A perfect point was per- made. A perfect point was made. Excellent. Excellent point. Thank you. Um, that, that scene was far scarier to me, or I, I felt uh, afraid naturally more than any like big budget blockbuster, like yeah. skyscraper hang or anything like that. Yeah. I felt it was actually, I felt uh, physically uncomfortable yeah, watching just, that scene. Oh, yeah, it just I, seemed real. So real. Yeah. yeah. They're just on that beam doing all sorts of gymnastics on that thing. Where were the cops? You see a car just stalled out on the bridge. Don't you think that uh, you'd, you'd say, hey, what's what's going on here? Hey, these are a bunch of hoodlums. They're not Karen. Yeah, and also just the, the cops are never there when something actually bad is happening. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's... Where were they a... when they fucking ran a car into the Barracuda? And I thought it was so... Hive. What's a, it was such a real moment for me, too. It was just such a human scene because Annette had just been like gang-banged in the back of the car by... Like two or three people. Gangbang is almost a friendly way to put that. Okay. Well, yeah. She was raped. <laughs> yeah. She was raped by people in the back of the car. By the second guy. The second guy was. The yeah, the second guy. She didn't want the first one. She didn't look very into either. Anyway, she wanted Tony. She wanted Tony the whole time. So then they get to this place on the bridge, and this kid dies, and she's screaming and like hugging one of the guys. I'm presumably someone who who forced themselves on, and it's like that's the kind of thing. That's that's humanity. It's like. Even though this person might have just sexually assaulted you, you just saw someone die. You still need to be held by someone. You still have humanity. There's still this uh, – <laughs> the uh, the humanity of everyone witnessing mortality trumps uh, it's not even other about, infractions. Yeah, it's not even about tr- – yeah, it trumps it or what, it just kind of overrides it for the moment yeah. where you're just like, okay, you just fucking sexually assaulted me, but I just saw something so horrifying. I need your embrace. Like it was just such a real weird – Situation, and I think you can relate to stuff like that in a high school situation, or or like an early yeah yeah yeah. It's I kinda... mean, I'd say the la- the last scene of this, the crescendo of this film, is like not a one two punch, but a one two three punch because you've got the attempted rape of Stephanie yes. by Tony Monero, and then uh, immediately after that, you have the uh, like gangbang rape of Annette, mm-hmm. and then. Right after that, Bobby jumps or, or falls, falls off head. the Veronzano Bridge. Yeah, and the, the end of innocence. The, maybe. the the second assaulter or the actual like real assault, uh, JJ, I think his name was, or two Js. We'll call him Double J. Whatever. Yeah, Double J. That's right. He uh, sexually assaults a woman, forcibly forces himself on her, mm-hmm. and then you know goes out to save this kid's life. So it's like this weird, you know, two faced thing. Well, did he save his life? I mean, he was trying. He okay. was like, he was crawling. I mean, yeah. he obviously didn't save his life because the kid, spoiler alert, fell to his death. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tony also tried to help. Yeah, they were all out there. That was a scary scene to watch, man. It was I'm not really gonna lie. Scary, yeah. yeah. And the her scream. Got, I felt this real they, fear. They, it, that was still the the era where they where they gave more time to things than they do today. Like that would have been like a fall scream cut to the next scene situations like we kind of sat in that for a while she's screaming oh, yeah, in a very down. real way and it's almost like yeah it's almost like she's screaming not only for his death but like the death of her 
innocence as well. That's a, that's right. A lot of, um, and you know, when you're younger, you have dumb friends. When you're you got yeah. to, the Bobbies. They don't, because you, you're younger, there's, every, everyone's still alive because their parents, to a degree, take care of them. Right. You don't have to have a job yet, so you're in high school, or you're, you've got, so you still live at home, so you, you, ha- you don't have to differentiate yourself yet uh, from, from the lost souls and lunatics. Yeah. You know, and because Bobby, the whole movie, seemed like mentally unstable. Totally. But nobody, you know, the disco music drowns that of, out. He was kind of the Lenny of the of mice <laughs> he, and men. He was in way over his head by getting that girl pregnant. But I will say, I kind of see, I saw that scene. I mean, I'm just digging for metaphors, I guess, if I, if I do this. But, you know, Bobby and Tony kind of facing off. Like, don't do it, but you never gave me attention. Come on, don't be stupid. And like this this back and forth ultimately leading in Bobby leading to Bobby's death. But I can relate to both of those characters. Like, it's almost like, yeah, when you're a kid, you're just like, no one wanted to play with me, and that was mean, and blah, blah, blah. But then you, there's also part of you that's like, I'm cool, I'm whatever. And you're kind of seeing those two, you know, face off and oh, later movie with John Travolta. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, ultimately the weakling loses. So it's kind of a lesson, and you got to man up in this world. That's right. Uh, the I think that one of the ultimate messages of this movie is that it, it promotes um, – like a rugged individualism. Mm. Like you have to go your own way. And uh, this, I don't know how much I agree with the, all these messages, but the metaphor is like, you got to leave the old neighborhood. You got to leave all your old friends. You have to leave your family. You have to leave your culture and, um, and move away from that. If you want to uh, succeed or strive or be aspirational. And that's what Tony's doing. And that's what, um, Stephanie's doing as well, moving to Manhattan, but how cold and, um, Ultimately empty, I think. I, I th- just my opinion. I think that's like an empty way of looking at uh, at the world because but, it separates us from our. Well, the classic the classic story format, right? For like most Hollywood or any films or anything like that, is kind of like the you you go. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of Kansas or wherever it is, you know. And you go on the journey and you see all the stuff and you have the near death experience and you meet the new friends and you've got the guide who takes you on the journey and then ultimately you have the realization that everything you ever needed to know was right back home (laughs) that's like the classic yeah thing you know and i think you know as i feel like i have lived that with my own life as a cliche of like i gotta get out of my suburban little upbringing and see the world and live abroad and have a bunch of relationships and da 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 and then ultimately be like i guess you know it was always in me the whole time you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I wonder though, I just feel like um the the film is it just uh holds up this guy instead of transforming his neighborhood or his community and making it better, mm-hmm. just running away from it. Yeah. Like like that's all you could do. You yeah. get you take care of yourself. But that's what you do when you're 19. Sure. Sure. I also didn't find him like as a very endearing character overall. I mean, I'm not exactly pulling for him. He somehow gets away with uh Potentially raping Stephanie, she kind of forgives him and they hug. She, she wants to be friends with him, which is, you know, okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's nothing about him that made me uh, particularly, you know, cheer the guy on. No, yeah, he's a real douche. He's a super douche. Except for the fact that he gave the correct couple. Well, the Puerto Rican couple, I feel like, finished second. The black couple outdanced everybody, but somehow didn't even get nominated. You're crazy. The Puerto Rican couple deserved it. That's a racial bias. You really think? I do. No way. Okay. They had a very slithery serpentine dance thing going on. Very, like, uh, limber. Like, they had a rubbery. I love the style. You think they beat? Well, I mean, you have Latin roots, dude. That's well, that better. has nothing to do with my roots. I just like the style, <laughs> man. <laughs> the, the, uh, the other couple was great, too. The black yeah, couple was I thought great. They were... I thought both of them were better than Tony's. I thought that that scene, that particular dancing between Tony and Stephanie, was the worst dancing in the movie. Yeah, it was. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, no, it's just real bad. It was it's like good. she couldn't hold her own arms up. And it it wasn't, was... I didn't even think they were dancing. Dude, it was what... If Quaaludes could dance, it would have been <laughs> <Totally>. that scene. <laughs> totally. Yeah, but then Tony, I think that this is a... This is... I was thinking about this a little bit before that... Um, what if you get all of these awards, but you know you don't deserve them? Oh, that's how every, like, rich... That's why That's why so many, like, rich, privileged kids who are, whose parents are famous, like, overdose on drugs and stuff like that. It's They're just like... a terrible feeling. <laughs> 
Right. You know, you, you want to win that... fair and square. Yeah. Everybody wants to win fair and square. Except for like Trump. Yeah. Right. Some people don't care about that. Some people are like, I won if I won. So I won. Some people <laughs> never wanted to win, really. <laughs> or maybe they, that worldview is just like, there is no better. We're all, we're, it's just like who, who had the best angle. Right. Or, or maybe, the, yeah, maybe the, the bottom line is like, again, with the rugged individualism, it's like only you know if you won or not. Because you, you, might win a, you might win an award and know you didn't win it. Or you might not win an award and know you should have. Yeah. And Tony, like, there, he does have admirable qualities. I'll tell you, like... Wh- great abs. Ab- he's got great abs. <laughs> he wants to... He's... Oh, man. He knows how to dress. Hey, he's got great hair. Yeah. He knows how to take care of himself. You know, like, if you put a pasta with red sauce in front of him, you know, even though uh, it puts, don't drip. Put that whole sheet around him. Yeah. I've done that before. Put a, <laughs> Wrap myself in a whole sheet when I got to eat something messy. Yeah. No, that was hot. Yeah. And then he, <laughs> he practices... He knows how to practice. He has the discipline to go do that. Very yeah. disciplined. And he was grateful for that small raise, yeah. the 250 raise. And he's like, 250, wow, this is great. He's like, fine, I'll give you three. And he's like, that's so sweet. Fine, I'll make it four. I, <laughs> I didn't really understand that. That's how you know you're doing, like, you're leveraging poorly. That guy is just, like, throwing other dollars at him. Like, how about six? And you have him work his way back down. Yeah. We're negotiating. But he's 19. A 19-year-old Tony Monero. And he, but he did say, he's like, it's not about how much it is. He's like, it's the fact that you think I'm doing a good job. It's a thought that counts. Yeah. That was a good quality. That is a good quality. And I, lo- I do. I, I look at um, his, at least his honesty when people are asking him for things. And he's like, no. Like, the, the, the ability to say no yeah. is something that uh, we learn later in life. Yeah, I think, str- you know, he's strong willed. I also will say that this is not related to what we're talking about, but I just wanted to um, wedge it into this conversation when they're um, when there's that car sex scene where mm-hmm. they're kind of taking turns with this girl, I think. Annette. It's not Annette. No, I don't think it's Annette. It's a, di- it's a random girl mm-hmm. in the back of a car. Tony goes to get his friend out and he's like, come on. And he's like, she didn't come yet. And then he goes, since when do you care? And then they're just kind of standing around. It's Tony and then this other couple, and they're waiting for the guy and the girl in the car to finish. And then he's like, it's happening, it's happening, and she, like, comes. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, that was kind of like a nice scene in a movie where it's like, we all just waited for this chick to come. What if, yeah, wow, that's almost progressive. Yeah. That's like 2019 still needs to catch up. Honestly. <laughs> Yeah, um, the, the, guy, the friends are all like, come on, dude, we got to go. And he's like, I will stop fucking her in this car as soon as she has an orgasm. It would have been better if one guy outside was like, no, she's got to finish. <laughs> yeah. What The sexual politics of this movie are, are interesting, too, thinking about it. Like, you know, I think growing up in the 80s, I, I feel like I watched more um, ro- romance. Uh, they, they all teenage love is... is uh, uh, represented as romantic. Right. This whereas... is very um like teenage boy perspective this movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's a, I don't know, I don't know if it's my, my my perspective but you can see how the rape culture was ingrained in in the younger generations for sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely that. But then also just like the like uh, 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 to go beyond that idea this um that the women in the club were like they're like they all have sex. Everyone has sex. Right. And it's not sex. a thing. It's not like, a, oh, now we had sex, we're going steady. Like, people are just having sex. Yeah, they're making it with each other. Yeah, they're making it. So that uh, was, I wonder how um, how much of a reflection of reality that was or if that was a controversial. Well, this is coming off the heels of, like, the free love revolution. You know, this is this is a decade after, you know, Woodstock and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that checks out. 68? Yeah. yeah. 69. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted someone to say it. Uh-huh. No. Uh, you know, and then, like, whatever, 10 years later or so, then we've got, like, the 16 candles. So, like, we're really seeing, like, a difference in... Yeah, and then I think uh, when Reagan came in, you get more of a... Uh, wholesome. It, it becomes more wholesome, exactly. Also, you have AIDS. So, like, you got this, like, one-two... I, I just love that it just is, like, Reagan brought AIDS. Well, it's like a one-two punch because, like, Reagan brought back this, like, we've got to get back to traditional values. He was the first Make America Great dude. Mm-hmm. And then, which is taking us back to, like, the like 50s mentality. But then you also have people were genuinely more scared of having sex. Right, right, right. Because, like, before AIDS, it's like, oh, okay, you get something, you just need 
some antibiotics. Yeah. yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah, it's venereal diseases. Yeah. Bong, you got the chlamydia? No big deal. Who has had chlamydia? All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that, but okay. I kind of So, um, yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting, there, the sexual politics of this movie. And there was like a weird... Uh, there still was at home that sort of like women women clear the dishes. Yeah, but uh, but Tony, I think he's like for all of his faults, he's also forward thinking and that he's attracted to ambitious women. Yes, he Always. wants strong individual women. He doesn't want like a like a like an old um, like his grandma. He doesn't want an Annette, a neighborhood girl. Right. He wants someone who's for you know forward thinking. I, I wrote down that he always seems to go after women who are intellectually superior to him, but I didn't find uh, Stephanie smart. The more she talked, the more I was like, "You guys are you guys are meant for each other." Well, also there's a, that scene where he gets jealous of of her fraternizing with somebody else, and yeah. then only relents when she breaks into tears. Yeah, that's a Monero. Uh, uh, an mo. He does that. I don't, have you seen Staying Alive? I I don't know if I have. I think I have, but I it's I didn't refresh. He probably blacked it out. Blocked it out. Um, oh, how about that though? That her character Stephanie's um, mentor, the guy who has helped her yeah. like survive and thrive in Manhattan. She's also been fucking him. That's in right. Exchange oh, for is that, that what? Yeah. yeah. So yeah I he helped that. me. What did you want me to do? He helped me. He helped me. And then she cries, and he's like, okay. As long as I feel like he forced himself on you and it wasn't like you're choosing, <laughs> then I'm okay with this situation. Did he get overly handsy? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the thing. I think I think there's this uh, acceptance by men of other of like their women being you know loose or what having had other sexual relations with people as long as it was forced upon them. But like you don't want to be with some whore who wanted it. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, that that being said, I think she's a much stronger uh, protagonist, um, Stephanie, yeah. than the uh, his love interest in Staying Alive. Okay, like Fiona. Stephanie, you know, we can say that she wasn't the smartest, that she wasn't the brightest bulb, but I I don't I I just feel like she was was not culturally um, acclimated uh, at a young age to like be sophisticated. Totally, but no. she's like trying. She wanted more. She was getting there. Yeah, yeah. she wanted to go to college. Yeah. She was going to take some classes this semester, and she's going to take more next semester. I mean, she was trying. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And she wanted a better life for herself. Don't, and she was question, She was not – she also was the first person to really shit on Tony in a productive way because yeah. his dad was just kind of like, you're stupid, whatever, da-da-da. She was like, <laughs> you know, you're young. You're young and you're dumb and you're what well, you think you're just blowing all your money at the dance floor? He's like, She's like, what are you going to do later, you know? And he, I think that kind of – you know, sowed the seed of like, oh fuck, what am I going to do after I can't dance anymore? And, and it, it eventually led him to meet uh, the best character in this movie series, which was Jackie, uh, who still have a soft spot for. Which one is Jackie? Jackie was his the girl that he should have been with the whole time and staying alive. Oh yes. So S- Stephanie was like a uh, precursor to. Do we the, see the Jackie love. in um, Saturday Night Fever at all? No, no. She's uh. She, that's why I was drew a blank. Mm-hmm. She's his lady in uh in the second one who ends up uh having um a th- well who Frank Stallone Sylvester Stallone's brother who plays guitar right. uh has a huge crush on her the whole movie. Jackie's the manifestation of what Stephanie wants to be, I think. I read yeah. a review of the of this movie and then the sequel uh Staying Alive and and the reviewer was quite um casual in his description of the actresses in the sequel being much more attractive uh i don't well whatever i like this movie a lot better i like the ladies in this movie a lot better i i didn't see the sequel but i'm guessing from his description it's like the ones in 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 saturday night fever are like look like real girls you might see in bay ridge brooklyn in the 70s yeah and i thought that was great right and then this in the sequel i think because of the success of saturday night fever they were probably able to get like bigger budget Hollywood actresses who were probably born in like Connecticut or something. I mean, the budget was 3 million for this film and then 22 million for the sequel. Wow. 3 million seems high for this film considering. It grossed 95 just in the first year. Wow. That's amazing. It was a huge, it was a monster. Yeah. Uh, The women in the second one, I guess were prettier technically like Fiona, but I I didn't, I don't know. Fran Drescher was very attractive to me in this film. She was in this? Yeah. 
she was a girl. She's like, do you make sex as good as you dance or make love oh, or something? Yeah. That was Fran Drescher. I did see a clip of that. Yeah, Ooh. she's she's great in it. She's I, so pretty. I think uh, I think what this and guy liked that role. I think what the reviewer in the second film liked better was uh, the uh, leotards. Mm. It's a lot more aerobic. Uh, they were probably outfits. like taller, hotter chicks, but it like not very... necessarily better for the better. And I think that's something that we're seeing more in movies today, where it's like we want to see something that actually looks real. I think. Like it's, I think in the seventies or eighties, whatever, we were able to like, you know, suspend belief, disbelief, even up until right now. I think, you know, we just want hot people in movies. But I think now people are like, who would actually be in that situation? Let's see someone who actually looks like the way they should look. I mean, there's no more really uh, unattractive pop stars like there were. There's no Jim Croce's or Joe Cocker's. Everyone has to be photogenic, or even Elton John's, or even Elton John's. Yeah. Um, That's. There, I mean, it was a very entirely different dance period or dance, you know final thoughts everybody professional dancers how are we feeling about uh saturday night fever um i think that it would have been nice for some of the violence to have been uh for him to have had like a realization about the violence and been like i won't stand for this <laughs> Yeah, uh, totally. So uh, that's the. Are you talking a little bit about the gang fight between his boys and the Barracudas? Yeah, yeah. Which they didn't even know if the Barracudas had had uh, perpetrated the first violence against Gus, his friend. Right. They did. And and even when they're about to like um, charge in in the car, there's a lot of like, "Hey, what? Don't do. What are you doing? Don't, don't." Uh, uh. But then once they're in, they're in, and they're just rolling it and going for it. And- yeah, you know, if you have to go and perform in a dance contest later that night or maybe even tomorrow, the last thing you want to do is end up with a couple broken ribs and yeah. maybe a tooth missing. Yeah. So why why do the fighting? Also, the idea of sort of going after uh, any Puerto Ricans because your friend got maybe beaten up by Puerto Ricans is very, very much like that Liam Neeson uh, thing where he was like, recently, Liam Neeson said... Uh, that he had a friend who was sexually assaulted by a black man, and then he 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 thought, well, that made me just want to go down the street and find the first black man, which is like super racist yeah. hate crime styles. Yeah, he like roamed the streets looking to antagonize a black person. Right, and that's kind of how uh, Tony's crew um, treats their friend getting uh, uh, mugged. I think that's like how that's like kind of how all racism starts, probably, where it's like you know back in the whatever it ages, you know, it's just. It's the tale as old as time. <laughs> you know? Right, right. That's yeah. what these cats are going to pogrom this mouse town. Yeah. I mean, they were so quick to American come, to their, come yeah. to their friend's rescue, but they didn't, not one of them shed a tear when the dude fell off the bridge. They processed that death pretty quickly. Well, I think they were in shock. We, we, well, we don't know a, what they're going to be doing point. tomorrow at sure. the White Castle. They might all be in tears. Yeah. With just, Annette still with them. I'll just have one. Ugh. Poor Annette. She probably married the second dude. I will say poor Annette, but she had a good career as an actress. Yeah. yeah who is she? She, I forget her name, but she, she's very well known. I was, recognize this her This is face. crazy if I say this wrong, but was she the lady from Murder, She Wrote? Angela Lansbury? No way. <laughs> Angela Lansbury. Am I wrong? She looks but so much like her. She could be Angela Lansbury's daughter. Or Angela- granddaughter. <laughs> Lansbury. We're all like looking it up. She looks like Angela Lansbury to me. She looks like a Bay Ridge version of Angela Lansbury's daughter. Okay, Annette in Annette in Saturday Night Fever. I gotta see what her real name is. Okay, you guys keep talking. Well, while you look it up, I'll just say that uh, the thing I really I appreciated um, how honest Tony was in this movie. I liked him as a character for that. Uh, I, this movie made me want to take dance classes, so that's a that's a positive, and. Um, I don't know. It's it's it was really cool. Just the atmospherically, it started pretty upbeat. Like the the first scene, the montage of him walking down the street is a f- first person Ugh. POV. Street harassing is hilarious. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, so that's great. You see him, you see him check out one girl, and then be like, <laughs> "Nah, I'm not gonna do it." And then another one, he's like, "Cannot resist. Must <laughs> run up to her." That is so funny. So I, I love that, and I, I feel like that scene's been spoofed countless times. That's so funny. Um, this is a great movie about New York City. It's a it's a cool time capsule for what the the area looked like in 1977, which was like a watershed year for the place. Um, it's got a much richer cast than 
uh, staying alive. Like staying alive, I think it's a love triangle. There's basically three characters in it. In this, he, you've got his whole family, yeah. which is awesome. Whether or not you like the characters themselves, they're well portrayed. They're fleshed out. I like his crew. Um, I like that there's like a whole bunch of different goony dudes that each have their own kind of personality to them. And uh, yeah, the dancing the dancing was artful enough. Um, as much as I hated his neighborhood, I like the camaraderie. I like the community. Yeah. I like the the picture they painted of his world. And uh, you know, I guess uh, I would give this movie out of a one out of ten. I would give it a nine inch heels. Wow. Yeah, give it a nine. Wow. Nine out of ten, huh? Nine out of ten. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I think because I just don't really love I, I think it was a great movie. I think it was very it was just very disturbing for me on a bunch of levels. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's not a good movie, but I guess I'm basing my judgment on how good I feel after watching a film and I would probably give it a seven. Yeah. That's respect seven's still a good number. Yeah. Seven is a good number. Still passing. Mm-hmm. I'm right there. I feel like seven or eight is good. It's a gritty. Uh, it shows you the outer boroughs. Yeah, Brooklyn specifically, which I thought was cool. And it's gritty. I mean, it's the way it's shot and filmed. It felt be very realistic. Certain scenes felt very realistic. Uh, I thought it was a cool por- portrayal. And I mean, after seeing <laughs> Staying Alive first, I absolutely. I mean, this movie sh- shoots up the charts in my opinion, based on the fact that I watched that one first. Uh, I thought it was. It's a good watch. I mean, there is some some sensitive material, but. You know, I feel like it's a pretty fair depiction of that era. Yeah, I like. Oh. Yeah, go on. No, sorry. I like to think of this movie as uh, a prequel to Greece, because <laughs> I feel like then we see John Travolta in his, like, you know, this is like his mid twenties version of the same character who's like since really made a go of it with his, I don't know, dancing and. Greece came out the following year, I think, right? I don't even know if it came out. Yeah, I think it was it was more recent. I think it came out. No, in it 70. definitely came out later. Right, seventy eight, seventy nine. I think. I would have thought much later. Oh, like in the eighties. Yeah. What an amazing career to see that he had gone from being a, a sitcom star mm-hmm. uh, to being like a teen, early twenties. Um, I guess like heartthrob leading man in these dance and wow. music movies. That right. came out a year later. Yeah. I would have thought it came out way later. To that look, who's talking era? I mean, that's how that's, a, that's not super unique to, to people's careers. They start off as a teen heartthrob and like sitcoms and you know, or small roles, and then they kind of dictate what happens next. And like yeah. the DiCaprios and the Johnny Depp's, yeah, those, those Tiger Beat cats. They want to shed that and do some real acting. Well, Olivia Newton-John is six years uh, John Travolta's senior. I just want to note. Well, how about that? How about I mean, that? They're playing seniors in high school. He was already 24, 25, and she was 31. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I guess uh, people suspended their disbelief during yeah. that era. They're like, starring Burt Reynolds yeah. as his older brother <laughs> yeah. of a freshman in college. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the actress that played Annette very quickly, Denna Pascal. Pascal? Donna. Donna Pascal. I can't read. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. She was not in much. Some Disney shows. And even Stevens. She had a good face. Good face. Expressive. Nice Delightful. Eyes. Well, everybody, we've done it. I had rape. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Abby Feldman, where can people find you? <laughs> um, hopefully, in not in person. Um, at Abby Feldman on the social media platforms of your choosing. Primarily Instagram and Twitter. And also, you can watch Moist every Monday at 10 p.m. on Facebook. That's a great podcast. Uh, also, it takes place in a bathtub. It takes place in a bathtub. Which is, uh, which is unique. You will not see other podcasts live streamed where people are wet the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I you did were... an episode. It was awesome. Yes, you had an amazing episode. Wait, wait a minute. What? <laughs> Moist. Um, you have to go to um, it's Abby Feldman Live. I want to clarify. So it's facebook.com slash Abby Feldman Live. Everywhere else, I'm just at Abby Feldman. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, you can find me at GabePacheco.com, and I have an album out right now on iTunes and Amazon. Uh, it's called Risky Behavior, so check that out. And uh, tune in next week for another episode of Eat, Pray, Judge. Sammy, you have anything you want to tell the people? Uh, you can find me here, guys, every week. Oh, it's so nice to be able to rely on you like that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a wonderful week. This is like your Saturday night fever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>